Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League. It's on the number one daily sports podcast network. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. You can subscribe to this show and all the programs here on the network on all of your favorite podcast apps. You can find me on Twitter at BBPeacock. You can follow Matt at Williamson NFL. Happy Friday, Matt. I hope you and yours are feeling well. Uh, there's been quite a stir and a lot of madness, especially in the sports world, going on since we last talked. And we recorded our Twitter Thursday episode later Wednesday. So, so much has changed since then on the landscape and scouts sent home and Disneyland's even canceled, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it says a lot and crazy times we are living in. And of course, it's going to have a massive ripple effect, tidal wave effect for the NFL. I mean, not quite to the extent of hockey and basketball and some of these you know things that usually are going on right now. Um, I'm about to go on with Stan Savern, a local host here, and he hosts a daily sports show. And he's like, save me, Matt. We have nothing else to talk about, about besides football. It's amazing. And news-wise, we have stuff to talk about with the NFL and these things getting shut down. If you're not talking about things getting stopped, you can't talk about a game because there are no games happening. There are no NBA games happening. There is no more NCAA tournament, which is crazy. Maybe Major League Baseball opening day in doubt there. Uh, scouts being sent home, as I mentioned. Pro days are being canceled, which is, I think, a big one for the NFL draft. And we'll see what happens the league year. As of now, there's rumors that by Monday, the next time we chat, maybe the new league year, We'll get pushed back. We've already seen the franchise deadline get pushed back a bunch of times. The player vote's been pushed back a bunch of times. And now the league year that's supposed to be next Wednesday, March 18th, that might get pushed back. Uh, the NFL draft, that's got to be in doubt. A big gathering of people in Las Vegas. That's April 23rd, so it's a ways off. They don't have to make a decision yet on that. But, I mean, this could definitely impact everything going on into the spring for the NFL as well. Yeah, and hopefully... Things get, you know, taken care of nationally quicker than, you know, sooner than later, of course. And everyone out there, please stay as healthy as possible. But I think in this show, we should probably break down some of the individual effects. You know, I mean, like to me, you, you want to start with the draft? Let's do that. Yeah, let's start draft. I mean, I know the draft is spectacle and a million gajillion people went in t Tennessee last year. But when I was a kid, there weren't any fans there hardly. And in for this one year, I think you just have an old school draft with just the NFL people there. And most of the people are in their, their war rooms or in, in their facilities anyways. And just keep the fans out of that. And it's not quite as fun and it'll be quieter for Mel and Todd and everybody. But I don't think it's the end of the world either. Do you do it where you just don't have fans there and you, that you still yeah. let the prospects go to Vegas and ride the boat on the Bellagio water and go to a stage and be announced and hold up a jersey? Or do you do, you do the whole thing vi virtual at this point? Wow, uh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that extreme. I mean, I, I didn't think about it from the Vegas angle in that, hey, we put a lot into it and now we're not getting anything out of our investment and all the time and effort we try you know, to showcase this thing with the Raiders coming to town and all that. I was originally thinking just like when I watched it in 1985 in a big ass hall and, you know, a guy would bring a thing up to the podium and real boring and not much cheering. And, but I guess they can make it, they could spruce it up more than that. I'm sure. That's like the biggest thing, right? You're a prospect. You get drafted in the first yeah. round. You're there. You get to hold up the Jersey on TV. That's such a big deal. So 
even if it's not a spectacle in Las Vegas, I have to imagine, and, and there's still going to be a televised event, and people are going to be watching it, even if it's more of a virtual thing where there's a studio of people over here and a studio of people over here. You've got to at least have, and, and it's hard, but can they have some jerseys on hand for these? Pro- I mean, you, you do the hat thing when some prospects are at home with their family on the couch and they have the hat of respective team. I don't know how they do that. Does the agent just have a hat for every single team in the NFL shows up in the <laughs> right, big box right. and, oh, here's the team, here's your hat. Uh, but, I mean, it's... I can't imagine how you do the program of the draft because if they're going to hold it, people are going to want to. I mean, I don't care if it was just a computer screen that had the names of the players. I'm still going to be tuning into the draft. So how do you televise this thing if, if you don't have the spectacle of everything going on in Las Vegas that they had planned? I mean, I tend to think you tell the, the prospects all to stay home and you just kind of make it real old school bare bones. But Vegas isn't going to like that. No, not at all. They have a lot of tape on these players, so Mel and Todd and uh, you know the NFL Network guys, they'll be somewhere breaking down the prospects when they do get selected, so we'll have that at least. Here's, I think, the biggest downfall as far as prospects go, and it's tough for the top guys. I mean, boo-hoo for the first-rounders, right? They don't get to go on a stage and hold up a, a jersey. What about the other guys that are fighting for the fifth, sixth, seventh-round selections? And now they don't have their pro day. They weren't invited to the combine. They don't have a pro day. How are they going to show their stuff for NFL scouts? And it might really hurt those those players that didn't get invited to the combine. Maybe uh, maybe we're at the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Game or one of the lesser games or maybe not. And those small school sleeper prospects that you see a number of them wow in the springtime and get drafted, it probably hurts them the most. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, it sounds like a lot of teams have stopped sending their coaches and scouts across the country, and it sure looks like pro days are not going to be a thing this year. And the thing is, I mean, if you were, I don't know, T. Higgins, but there's 30 of these guys, and a lot of them are first-round type dudes that said, well, I'm not going to run in Indy. I'll just do the other stuff. I want a little bit more time to train. I want to run on my familiar track. And now that isn't going to happen. You know, like – if you're a team picking between T Higgins and another receiver and you don't know his 40 or his verts and things, you're going to lean to the other guy in case of a tie. And I mean, and we do live in a world where there's a lot of technology. I mean, could I keep bringing up T Higgins, but it could be anyone. Could he run a 40 at his agent's place and put it on video from many angles and send it to 32 teams? I mean, I guess there's other ways of, showing the world what you can do in these tests. But um, I I don't think the medical will be a problem. I'm sure they'll all be sent back to Indianapolis for the medical recheck because that's not a huge gathering. I mean, that's just a couple of select people. But it is going to change things. And in the end, I have no doubt that teams will have less information about these players than most years. Actually, Matt, I I was looking for it, and Clemson – Clemson's pro day was yesterday. It might actually have been one of the last pro days that actually happened. So I have some numbers for you for T Higgins. He barely did get it in under the gun. And so uh, I do have some numbers. T Higgins was able to work out, but there's a ton of guys. I think it's the LSU pro day is now the big one that didn't get to happen. Yeah, Cause I think that yeah. was late on the schedule. I'm looking at the schedule of pro days right now. Uh, and there's a ton of schools. I mean, over half of the schools haven't done their pro days yet. Uh, let's see. Auburn was April 8th. Oh, how about this Tua? Tua's personal workout yeah, right, was supposed to be right. April 9th. I mean, I guess him and his agent can go out there and he can film it, but he's not going to have 32 teams at his pro day watching him work out anymore. And the the personal visits yeah. to NFL teams have been canceled as well. I mean, I'm not one to say 
people should ignore this virus or there's no threat or whatever. But I've been to pro days. Pro days aren't, there's not that many bodies in the building. I mean, maybe one to three representatives from 32 teams, the players working out, a couple people that work in the school. Uh, some other people can be guests, you know, I mean, some of the current players from that school go watch and learn. But I mean, a, a group of 100 people in a in a dome indoor workout facility seems very doable to me still. <laughs> so here are the pro days that actually happened okay. yesterday, March 12th. If if that is the last pro day that happens, it was Clemson, Nebraska, Oregon, Princeton, Southern Illinois and Tulsa. And I don't know if actually all of those pro days went down on March 12th. I know Clemson's did. Uh, the rest I'm not so sure about. Uh, March 11th was Arkansas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Oregon State, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Wyoming was March 10th, Auburn and Bucknell. So Auburn had two pro days. So luckily for them, they got one in early March 6th. Kansas was the first one in March 5th. Those are the only teams that have had pro days. So every other pro day, guys that waited, like you mentioned, didn't run at the combine or players that didn't get invited to the combine might not have workout numbers for scouts and NFL teams. And that really shakes things up. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it's just not only is the CBA falling at the wrong time where teams, you know, and we'll get an answer by that by the next time we get back tomorrow. I mean, the, the deadline's at midnight, I think, on Saturday. So these teams are trying to figure out their plan of attack. I mean, I feel for everyone involved for both these issues, both the virus and the CBA problem. But I really feel for because I can relate to it. The decision makers going, I really wish I knew a plan of attack. I wish I knew I had four second tier off the ball linebackers in this draft, but I'm not sure if Johnny's a second tier or third tier because I don't have as much information as I usually do. And I would attack free agency a little more, harshly or a little more vigorously at that position if I knew that he wasn't a second tier guy you know what I mean like all these dominant all these puzzle pieces fit in place for this is going to be our offseason plan of attack to find a linebacker and fit a tackle in under the cap and all those things and they don't know the rules they're playing with and now they're getting handcuffed again that's an interesting topic I think we need to continue that topic next decision makers how they are going to attack this thing going into the draft with so many unknowns coming up Okay, to continue that conversation, Matt, which I think is super interesting, let's say that there are zero workouts from here on out. No pro days, no videos of prospects working out, no more times that scouts get, no personal visits, you're done. Your scouting department has all of the information they're going to have as far as height, weights, speeds, workouts, personal visits, face-to-face -face conversations with prospects, and you have all of that tape to work with. Do you think this helps scouts and NFL draft decision makers to say, okay, look, let's just lean on the tape because that's the most important anyway and stop overvaluing all this other stuff. Does it almost help you in a sense or does it mm. just completely wreck the rest of your month not knowing and, and not being able to finalize your boards as you normally would because this process is pretty exhaustive for NFL teams and to have some boxes unchecked has to really bother some GMs, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you asked any of them, they would say it's not helping us. There are a lot of very old school creatures of habit that this is the information I need to do my job and you're not giving it to me and I'm feeling handcuffed with it. To your point, I think, though, and you and I talked about this maybe a month ago, in the end, might you make better evaluations because you're forced to be a little more tape 
if, if tape was 65% of your grade before now, is it 70 or 75? And is that better? I mean, anytime in history, I mean, really that when we're most inventions and in ways of new ways of looking at things come when we're forced to, you know, like whenever you, you uh, something arises and there's an invention needed or a new way of looking at things, you know, people adapt as a society and maybe the scouting world changes because of this. Two other notes I wanted to throw out there too. And I do want to continue that conversation is I also think, Oh, by the way, they changed the combine to being all the drills at night. And I've gotten more blowback than I've mentioned on the air about NFL evaluators think those numbers are less trustworthy than ever because a lot of those guys were tired. Um, the three cone drill in general for all positions was really, really bad uncharacteristically this year. And some of those guys were running them at 11 at night. So maybe all the combine information period has been tainted or is missing to some degree. And then the last note here too, is I'm not sure everybody realizes this, but there are other combines. There are small school ones that are by area around the country that are fringe prospects. I mean, T Higgins isn't at that one, you know what I mean? But it's crucial for those guys to get eyes on them you may send a low-level scout there and you get all the numbers, but you get these small area combines from tiny school guys. And that was one of your original thoughts too, that those guys are going to be at a disadvantage. I mean, that really hurts them if that doesn't exist. For a lot of small guys without those workouts, it's just not going to happen, period. They're going to have to win a job yeah. in training camp. They're not going to get that, you know, that bump and, you know, be a six-pound sleeper. That, right. And people didn't <laughs> you know, even know about the him, and they blazed at their combines. Like, oh, let's give this guy a look. And then you bring him in for your personal workout. You meet him. You love him. You go back to his tape. That's just flat out not going to happen. So maybe even, who knows, a record low number of players that didn't get invited to the combine, those off-the-radar guys, which just makes the draft pool a little bit smaller, might water down the late rounds of the draft with fewer of those smaller school guys that teams didn't get to finish the work on. Yeah, yeah. And back to the original point, too, that, I mean, there's some guys that w were really rocked up at the combine and then they want to change their body for their pro day to run differently or vice versa. And you're just not going to get the eyes on you to do that. I mean, all these prospects have a strategy to best present their case to the league step by step. And uh, there's these huge hurdles now that nobody foresaw coming. So, again, I mean, I, I wonder if we. We asked the general managers five years from now, like, let's talk about the 2020 draft. If they go back and be like, man, I was more unsure about that one than anyone I've ever done. Right. Or or they're like, man, we really love this guy, but we didn't get a time on him. So we we passed right. on him. And then some team later picked, drafted him and got a steal and they weren't able to, you know, put that full grade that they wanted to on a player because they didn't see him run. And, and all those players, you, a lot of guys are like, man, I'm just going to run. I got an extra month. I'm going to run in April and I'm going to do my pro day and I'm going to fly and mm -hmm. it's going to be a better time. And that's not going to happen now. So those guys that didn't put down times might not have times. And I'm sure there's going to be video and, and agents will get together, together with prospects and they'll hold some sort of a, uh, an event and try to run some times, but it's going to be even less. I mean, it's already hard to trust the pro day times you're yeah, getting. Exactly. If an agent and a player get together and be like, Oh, Hey, he ran four, three, nine and be like, yeah, pretty skeptical about that time but i guess you could try to <laughs> right. you know film it yourself off of the film that you see but that's another interesting angle too and if i'm an agent i'd be like okay well let's let's have fun here with this time let's run it 30 times and then take your fastest one and be like okay hey look at this yeah he blazed exactly. on instead my of 
<laughs> right. Instead of the combine with the courses there giving you the the start and the, all cameras are on you and all eyes are on you and there's pressure on you. It's it would be behoove these guys just like you said. Let's just run them and run them and run them and show your best one to the thirty two teams. You mentioned something there that I want to get get back into really quick here, Matt, and that is the combine and how it was staged this year and in prime time. And apparently those primetime TV ratings weren't as high as they had hoped. And pretty much every single person, scout, uh, player, team representative, uh, agent that I've heard talk about it, hated the new format. Even from a standpoint of people in the media that were like, well, now we got to stay here all night late instead of, you know, the fun of the combine is going to the steakhouse afterward because this thing gets over and you have the night to hang out and, you know, do that thing. And I guess the steakhouse, the the people, the, the restaurants and the service folks in Indianapolis made less money because there was fewer people there at night because they were all still at the combine doing Definitely. work. So Definitely. pretty much everybody hated the new format. Maybe it was a, a small bump better for the networks. Do you think this is going to continue? Because it seems like it was a disaster for everybody involved, including the city of Indianapolis. Yeah, I don't think anybody liked it except that it made more money. And we know how the world works. That might be just mm -hmm. enough that who cares? But you're definitely right that the steakhouses and bars were much, much emptier. And by the time the the NFL people, I mean, by the time they could get there, it was often 11, 11.30, midnight. People that might not have, that definitely would have gone out probably didn't. And they had much less time out. You know, you go out and get two drinks or whatever and come back home. And I also heard some, another side of it was, I heard a lot of the NFL people too, that kind of didn't know what to do with themselves during the day. You know, like, boy, I can go back and watch more tape on <laughs> on Dobbins, but I've done that, you know, like I don't really have anywhere to be. It's, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon and we are, all our meetings have been set. We know everything. What am I going to do? Yeah. You can't go out and start drinking already. So you just gotta... right, right. <laughs> get a good lunch somewhere. maybe. Uh, but I mean, like that's not the same. Then there's talk of potentially as they're doing with the draft, moving the combine around to some other cities. And the way I understand it in Indianapolis, the way it's set up with the convention center and the stadium and everything right there. It's just such a perfect venue it is. for and the town and all the restaurants and everything being so close with the hotels. It's just a perfect venue for the combine. And the other thing is the medical, having an area where enough medical people can come in and do all those checks because that's an arduous task as it is with this many prospects and bringing them all in and doing that many physicals and doing MRIs and things that need to happen with some of these prospects. So how do you feel about potentially moving the combine? And if the city of Indianapolis is not making as much money on it, would they would they really push to be like, look, let's stop the madness, push it back, let's do this thing real like everybody knows it should be done, and do it right because at some point you're hurting prospects, you're hurting everybody involved, including the host city, if you mess with this thing too much. But that's a possibility. I mean, in terms of leaving Indy, I would hate it from a personal standpoint just because I'd probably have to fly somewhere else and like we take all this radio equipment and you know, a lot of people are in that boat. Um, and I don't even know, maybe some teams wouldn't send you, but one of the main reasons, and it's less important now than when the combine started that it, it is in Indy is because it's in the middle of the country and I forget the number, but I want to say like 14 or 15 teams can drive there. You know, I mean, some of it's six, seven hours, but it's not a bad drive. Everything's flat, you know, like it's about almost six hours from Pittsburgh there, but mo a, a high percentage of teams can, can drive there, which is great. And speaking of driving, one of the beauties of Indy is you do a lot of walking, but 
you never really get in a vehicle if you don't have to. And that's great. I mean, to, to rely on Ubers and taxis and stuff like that to get where you need to be would be a nightmare. And people that went to the Super Bowl in Miami said they spend all their time on buses and, you know, being transported around. I would hate for the combine to get like that. And I've actually never been to Indianapolis and I've just heard so many stories about it. And I do want to get to the combine someday, but there's a, what is it called? The skywalk or something that connects everything yeah. even more so than already. So it's, uh, if, I mean, it's in February, so it's really cold, but you might not even have to go outside, right? Because there's this skywalk that takes you between hotel and stadium and everything you need to do. Yeah, exactly. And it's a very well laid out city. The convention center is ginormous. It looks like, it feels like it's a mile long when you're walking through it. And you really don't have to go outside if you understand the walkways and things to get to St. Elmo's or wherever you're going, even if it's you know, miles away. So it's very convenient. Again, it's flat. It's all squares and laid out like a grid. So it, it's easy to find where you're going. I mean, there's some obvious landmarks. And a lot of us now are just creatures of habit and look forward to it and know the city. And, you know, I would hate for it to be somewhere else. And I'm sure there's more, um, you know, things that I'm not thinking about that would be dilemmas for them, you know, like a lot of logistics or where the players stay or hotel. I mean, I don't even know, but I'm sure there's more to it that are speed bumps than I'm even thinking about. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the the nightmare scenario of driving and walking and how spread out things are and how big and, and getting the doctors in and, and city uh -huh. bigger cities. So like Indianapolis is big enough to hold it, but it's not so big like Los Angeles or New York or even the Bay area where things would be so spread out and hard for people to get around and driving here and, and moving around there. So, I mean, yeah, it seems like Indy's the perfect spot. So don't mess with it. Go back to the daytime workouts. Come on, NFL. Don't screw this up. Yeah, I 100% agree. All right. Uh, there's a couple of times that we do have from the few teams that were able to have pro days and a couple of prospects I want to talk about next. Okay, Matt, you mentioned T Higgins and he did get a workout in at Clemson's pro day yesterday. And there were some rumors on Twitter that somebody had him clocked at four, four, three on their mm. little hand time. And uh, that turns out to not really be the case because the actual official numbers that Clemson themselves released were not great for T Higgins. And when you see these numbers, you realize, okay, maybe this is why he didn't work out at the combine. Look, and it's not awful, but he ran mid four fives. He ran four, 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 five, four and four, five, six for his two forty times, which is not super slow. But when you consider that a lot of people say that's a skeptical time at your pro day and they add 0.05 to it, we're talking about close to a four, six 40 for T Higgins. And I think the worst part of his pro day was only a 31 inch vertical. So not showing mm -hmm explosion you would expect from high-level athlete in T. Higgins. And I think that probably hurts him a little bit. And maybe he would have benefited from this pro day stuff being shut down one day sooner because that's it's not a great time. And, and you can see why he didn't want to throw up times at, at, uh, at the combine. Right. And you are correct. I mean, I don't know Clemson's track well, but almost all tracks are faster than running on pure field turf. You know, I mean, there's less resistance. Just think about where you're your, your foot goes into a rubber track or whatever. Um, but the, the vertical number, I don't like, I, I mean, 31 is pretty low. Um, it, it doesn't help him in a crowded receiver class. I mean, I still think he's definitely a top 45 player, but not guaranteed round one. There is a second prospect that went the other way, really helped himself at his pro day workout. And again, it makes you wonder, okay, should we be skeptical of these 40 times? is uh, Quintez Cephas from Wisconsin. Uh, he ran at Wisconsin's Pro Day, had a, 
a similar 40 time, but he ran a 4.73 at the Combine. He showed up and ran a 4.56 at Wisconsin's Pro Day. So if you believe that Pro Day time, he really helped himself because he is not... He's his game isn't about speed. He's a physical player. I think I compared him to Muhammad Sanu, you know, physical. Yeah. And he yeah. had pretty good jumps at the combine, but a bad 40. So to throw a little bit better 40 in there and, and just have speed that an NFL team would say, OK, I can at least work with this. He's not going to be, you know, he's not Anquan Bolden level, which is every prospect that runs a four seven. You're like, oh, he's Keenan Allen or he's Anquan Bolden. <laughs> it's like, well, there's not that many four seven guys that actually worked out. So maybe he's not that. So uh, Quintez Cephas did help himself. Those are the only two. Uh, workouts of the early pro days that really stood out to me was T Higgins and Quintez Cephas for different reasons. And it's funny because one running a mid four five was good. One running a mid four five, not great. Yeah. And they're both bigger receivers. That's noteworthy, but this is a perfect example of what we were talking about to begin the show of the benefit of actually getting a pro day in. I mean, how many Cephas clones are out there that weren't happy with their 40 time, but have been working real hard to get it down and hopefully have a better showing at their pro day. And now no one's going to be there. But um, I, I heard Jeffrey Okuna, the great corner from Ohio state saying Cephas is the best receiver I played against, you know, and he played you know, against some big time programs. He's a really good football player. And I bet that there's some people in the NFL that aren't happy to see this because they thought, boy, I can get Cephas in the fifth round if he's a four, seven guy. Now I got to, you know, it, now he's not a value anymore. And by the way, the 31-inch vertical for T. Higgins, only two wide receivers had a lower vert at the combine out of all of the guys who jumped there. So um, that was alarming. Yeah, that, that's really bad. That, that, that was the one that surprised me because I didn't think that would be that low of a number. So explosiveness for a big wide receiver. Now you're, I mean, um, you don't want to overvalue. And, and this is what we got into a, a couple of days ago talking about wide receivers and the value of drafting one in the second and third round and how good those players have been. We're crapping all over T. Higgins' workout numbers, but now that puts him in that second, third round range probably, <laughs> right, and is right. right in that zone of workout numbers and, and 40 times that we had been talking about. So now maybe he's one of those guys. And he's good at football. You know, right. like that's undeniable. The tape is going to be his best friend. And he kind of is that exact definition of what we were saying to invest in what just yesterday, the day before. It's amazing. It's perfect. It, he's maybe that guy now. So yep. <laughs> uh, look yep. out for T. Higgins. Everyone's going to say he's not a first-round player now. He'll be there in the second round for you. Maybe that's your steal of the draft, and he turns out to be one of the better players in this draft because he does have some ball skills. There are times when you can see him run away from guys, so maybe it's more of a build-up speed thing there. You you worry about him getting off a of press if he's not explosive off the line, uh, maybe getting in and out of breaks because he's taller, longer wide receiver. But if you're looking for that X receiver, someone that can make some plays down the field. T. Higgins, look out for him now. I think uh, firmly a day two prospect could be that guy we're talking about in a few years and comparing players to him and saying, oh, 6'3", bad vertical, ran mid four fives. He could be the next T. Higgins. Yeah, and all these teams use a first-round pick on receiver, but Team X is getting much better value out of T. Higgins with the 55th pick. Real quick, we didn't talk much about news of the day. Uh, the biggest one I think I'm seeing here is the Ravens are going to franchise tag Matt Judon, which is somebody who you don't really put in the upper echelon of edge players in the NFL. What do you expect that they're actually going to keep him under that number? Is that just them trying to not let him go and work out a long-term deal with him over the course of the spring and into the summer? Or is this the Ravens trying to tag and trade and add some more draft picks? I don't think that's the case, although probably would listen. I think there's two factors here is... Edge rushers are just really expensive. You know, that 
franchising him seems like a gigantic number. And on paper, is he worth that number? Probably not. Like Bud Dupree is going to fall in this category too. But to replace him is going to cost a gajillion dollars. And there's not an obvious one in the first round. There's not a lot of them to pick from. The guys that do hit the market, a lot of teams with more cap space than you are going to compete for them. And then you're fighting to get anyone you can. And the second note is with the Ravens, it's a really good defense. But he's their only good pass rusher, in my opinion. You know, I mean, just uh, who's good at rushing the passer? Judon. Is he a great, great one? No, but he's good and he can win one-on-one matchups with some consistency. And why that's important is they are by far, I mean, lights out way more than anyone else, the blitz happiest defense in the league last year. They get pressure through blitz because they trust their back end. And he's the only one that kind of doesn't fit that mold, that doesn't get home via blitz. That's interesting. The Matt Judon one, it will see how much money he actually gets if he plays under that franchise tag, which I would be surprised about. I still have a feeling that they're maybe at least open to hearing some uh, trade offers there under a tag and trade because I just don't see him playing under the tag number. But maybe I'm sleeping a little bit on Matt Judon. Maybe. I mean, I think he's a real good player and they just can't afford to lose them. They're in win now mode. Um, I, I found it a little curious that they would do it now. Do they have an inclination that the vote's going to go their way? I mean, why not just wait a day or two to know what CBA you're working under? I mean, yeah, because everybody uh, else is waiting for that deadline, and they are just yeah, right. They, they just said, yeah, wh- whatever. He's getting the tag; doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a tidal wave of tags coming be- be- between when we talk now and next. And yes, uh, why do it now? Do, do the Ravens have an inclination that it's going to pass? I don't know. We'll find out. There's going to be a ton of tags thrown down by the new deadline, which is Monday. And then the new league year still scheduled. We'll see if it still is scheduled for Wednesday, March 18th, when we reconvene here, Matt, Monday, Locked On NFL.